It's Tuesday, February the 11th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, Anagrit Kramp Karenbauer resigns and Xi Jinping dons a mask. First, the world in brief. Germany was plunged into political uncertainty after the leader of the governing Christian Democratic Union resigned. A protégé of Angela Merkel, the Chancellor, Annegret Kramp-Karrenbauer was seen as a shoe-in to succeed her. Then, last week, the local leader of a small party was elected Premier of the eastern state of Thuringia, with votes from the CDU and the far-right alternative for Germany, to widespread outrage. Ms. Kramp-Karrenbauer bungled the response. Previous gaffes had left her vulnerable. Donning a surgical mask, China's President Xi Jinping conducted an unannounced tour around Beijing to show his support for the fight against the Wuhan coronavirus. The disease has been blamed for more than 1,000 deaths, all but two in mainland China. By some accounts, the number of new cases in Hubei is falling, though a change to China's method of counting may be responsible. Two senior health officials in that province were sacked for their management of the crisis. Xerox increased its offer to buy HP, a move that values the computer giant at about $35 billion. The board of HP, a company three times larger than Xerox, had previously rejected a lower bid from Xerox, arguing that it undervalued the firm. Xerox's latest offer looks likely to further amplify tensions between the two legacy tech companies. America's Department of Justice charged four members of China's army with the alleged hacking of Equifax, a credit reporting agency, and stealing personal data and trade secrets. The names, dates of birth, and social security numbers of nearly 150 Americans were stolen in 2017. William Barr, America's Attorney General, called the hack a deliberate and sweeping intrusion. The Turkish lira had a volatile start to the week. The currency briefly rose after the government imposed limits on banks' foreign exchange transactions, but it continued a slide that had begun last week. On Friday, it fell to more than six to the dollar after the Treasury Minister suggested the central bank could continue to cut interest rates. Unicredit revealed details of a plan to radically restructure its operations in Italy, which will involve cutting around 6,000 jobs and closing 450 branches in the country. The bank's chief executive, Jean-Pierre Moustier, wants to cut costs and restructure its balance sheet in order to boost its profitability, which has lagged behind some of its rivals. Since 2014, Unicredit has already axed around 20,000 jobs. And hundreds of people were rescued after record-breaking rainfall caused widespread flooding in New South Wales. Despite the devastation, the deluge was also celebrated for dousing dozens of Australia's bushfires, including two megafires which had been burning for months. The rest of the state's fires could be extinguished this week. This fire season has burned up more than 11 million hectares. And now, here's today's agenda. Not taken for granite, New Hampshire's primary. The Democrats vying to be their party's nominee for president have been campaigning in the granite state for over a year. The fruits of their labor will be revealed today when Democratic voters in New Hampshire head to the polls in the party's primary. Every four years, New Hampshire repeats its self-proclaimed title as the first in the nation to vote in America's primary system. Iowans voted last week, but in caucuses rather than primaries. 
yet predicting the result is difficult. Bernie Sanders, a left-wing senator from neighbouring Vermont, and Pete Buttigieg, a young moderate ex-mayor who performed surprisingly well in Iowa's chaotic poll, look squarely in first and second place. Three other candidates are tied for third. Joe Biden, a centrist former vice president, Elizabeth Warren, another left-wing senator, and Amy Klobuchar, a Midwestern senator who hopes that Mr Biden's poor showing in Iowa will boost her pragmatist candidacy. Let the force be with you, Amazon v Trump. America's armed forces hope that artificial intelligence will revolutionize war. If that is to happen, data from the battlefield have to be crunched on a network of remote computers known as the cloud. Last year, the Pentagon handed a mammoth $10 billion cloud computing contract for its joint enterprise defense infrastructure, JEDI, to Microsoft. Amazon, a rival tech giant whose web services division lost out having won a previous CIA contract, complained of blatant political interference. Amazon wants the process halted and the deposition of Donald Trump and his defense secretary. Today, a federal court will rule on the case. Amazon claims that Mr. Trump's animus towards its founder, Jeff Bezos, who also owns the Washington Post, a newspaper which is frequently critical of the president, played an undue role in the awarding of the contract. In 2016, Mr. Trump had threatened Amazon with problems if he were elected and has raged against Mr. Bezos since. Ready for takeoff? Samsung Galaxy S11 launches. The South Korean electronics giant had a turbulent 2019. Profits in the final three months of the year were down by more than a third compared with the same period in 2018. Its device solutions division, which makes most of its profits and includes its display panel and chip-making businesses, struggled. Samsung hopes that the newest generation of its Galaxy line of smartphones, due to be revealed today, will help to pick up some of the slack. The company is betting that the growing prevalence of 5G technology will lift sales of both its smartphones and its semiconductors. Each of the models to be unveiled in this year's Galaxy S11 series will come equipped with a 5G modem. The new technology could also boost sales of Samsung's 5G-ready chips to other electronics manufacturers. But do not expect the profits to roll in immediately. The company expects lackluster results in both businesses in the first quarter of 2020. Arising, Sinn Féin wins Ireland's election. Sinn Féin has said it wants to form Ireland's next government after coming top in first preference votes in Saturday's parliamentary poll. The former political wing of the IRA, a terrorist group, beat Fianna Foyle and Fina Gale, which between them have won every election since the 1920s. Left-wing Sinn Féin fielded just 42 candidates for the 160 seats, meaning it needs allies to form a government. Fianna Foyle came second in first preference votes, but won one seat more than Sinn Féin. Fina Gael, led by the current Taoiseach, Prime Minister Leo Varadkar, was pushed into third. Sinn Féin triumphed over the two establishment parties on a wave of dissatisfaction over social issues, notably health care and housing. With no party securing an outright majority, Sinn Féin's Mary Lou MacDonald has emerged as a kingmaker. Both Fianna Foyle and Fina Gale have ruled out a coalition with Sinn Féin. To avoid political deadlock, they may be forced to reconsider. Frozen, the 41st anniversary of Iran's Islamic Revolution The weather in Iran is freezing, and the anniversary celebrations are barely warmer.
The Supreme Leader, Ayatollah Ali Khamenei, has tried to inject a festive spirit by releasing some 2,300 prisoners. But Iranians have fewer reasons than ever to cheer another year of the Ayatollah's revolutionary rule. Most feel the pinch of American sanctions and have little faith in the country's leadership to conjure a respite. Iran is ever more tightly in the grip of hardliners who spurn Western offers of talks. Legislative elections due in 10 days should cement their hold on yet another institution. The Ayatollahs have barred about 9,000 candidates from standing, more than ever, ensuring hardliners dominate the vote. But they are closing a vital safety valve for discontent. In recent months, tens of thousands have taken to the streets despite violent repression. Today's commemorations may remind many Iranians that mass protests did once overthrow an oppressive regime. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Leo Szilard, who was born on this day in 1898. Do not destroy what you cannot create. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening. <laughs>